The Six Pointer Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Six Pointer Podcast, the long-awaited return of the Six Pointer Podcast, I should should say. Uh, myself, Matthew, alongside my brother Luke. Luke, how are you doing? Good afternoon. Afternoon, I'm right, mate. Um, should point out we did do a couple of uh, Espia uh, podcasts, one or maybe two, but, but uh, the last one we did on Palace was obviously uh, I think the Chelsea game, wasn't it? Um, but yeah, I'm well, thanks, mate. Uh, good to be back watching the Palace today, chart on preseason friendly. Um, half time enjoying it very good yeah I mean a, a lot has happened since we did last talk about Palace related matters on the pod um, I mean I think I think we said we'd start this afternoon by by looking back at the end of end of the season um, and, and try to summate kind of our thoughts on you know the season as a whole but then then how it did finish up um, and then and then I think we we probably will touch on the the summer sort of activity to date both in terms of on the pitch and, and off the pitch. And obviously, um, over the last couple of weeks, Palace have um, uh, you know, been productive in terms of some transfer activity. So so touching on that, specifically looking at the um, the players that have have come in. Um, and then, you know, thirdly, where, where we will sort of um, look to touch on next season and, and look ahead to what the ambition might be. Um, I'm very keen to touch with you on um, Roy's position um, and what we likely think might happen over the next 12 months um, or so. So that that's kind of the plan for uh, for the pod. Um, as I say, well, welcome back to all our listeners. Hope everyone is staying well and safe in these still quite strange and difficult times. Um, but to touch on uh, Palace then, so finishing off the season last year, it wasn't quite the, the end of the season that maybe we'd hoped it would be when we um, were talking about the, re- the season restarting and, and maybe looking ahead to sort of European uh, contention um, so it didn't quite go to plan contrast in um, sort of reactions weren't there from sort of after the, the, the Bournemouth game and the excitement of, of thinking yeah we might be in a chance of Europe here to then being hit with an injury crisis as it were I mean on an already very um, slim squad just uh, I mean it all sort of petered out a little bit really didn't it um, yeah it was, it was a strange sort of season obviously exceptional circumstances um, the fact that Palace are known for having um, well, a, 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 a loud backing um, and you take that away it's almost like um, you know taking away one of your limbs to an extent I think um, albeit probably the, sort of the crowd noise hasn't been as good as, as it has been sort of when we first got promoted and those sort of championship ruckus years sort of thing but um, yeah it was it was a bit of a nothing end to the season, really, wasn't it? I mean, I'm hoping you can help me out with the results after the Chelsea game because I, I can't remember. Well, I think the Chelsea game was the last time we spoke, wasn't yeah. it, with with Kev? And I think at that point we we looked at it in terms of you know were we really that surprised by some of the results? As you mentioned, the kind of the but Burnley was disappointing. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, you know, obviously the the Bournemouth one, as you say, was was the one that got everyone uh, a bit excited and thinking, you know, we we could do this and. Um, I think then we were brought home back down to earth a little bit, weren't we, with the Liverpool result? And, yeah. and you know, to be fair, that was that was a free hit anyway. To be fair, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was kind of um, you know one we expected. We'd already sort of put to put to bed as a defeat. I think you're right. The Burnley one probably was the turning point in in that sort of sequence of 
of results. Um, and I, I would say, kind of, if you look back at the the string of results um, that we had towards the, towards the end of the season, it's probably the the one um, okay, bar Villa where we looked at and thought, well, actually, you know, that's one we should have been competitive in. The other games are really against teams who still had stuff to. Um, uh, you know, battle for. I guess I guess Villa did as well at the bottom, and, and that was uh, again, again key to them eventually staying up. But you know, the other teams were all fighting for um, European um, uh, places. Um, so, and, and I think also in there we had some good performance. It was it wasn't all you know turn up get rolled over. Uh, the Chelsea game was a really good game of football, and you could argue we deserved more. Um, uh, out of that game, and and, and probably a, a point at the end of it, because wasn't it Scott Dan had like a last minute minute header? I think so, yeah. yeah, so there there was activity in there. It wasn't as if like we just came out and got turned over. And and it's, it's I guess it's just when you look at the sequence of results, the the kind of couple of draws in there, that the one win and, and and the sort of the rest being defeats was 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 a disappointing way to end what had been up to that point uh, a really strong season. I, I I guess in my mind there there is a point about what would have been had we not had the uh, sort of you know coronavirus outbreak and, and therefore the pause in the season and whether momentum would have helped Palace get some better results there but now, even so having said that I don't think that we can look back at last season and say anything other than a success with a shame it didn't end as strongly maybe as it had, um, had been before them. I don't, I don't know if you can call it complacency, but, you know, Palace certainly knew after the Bournemouth game they were safe. I mean, they knew probably going into the Bournemouth game they were safe, didn't they? But, yeah, it was it was a, a tough end of the season. Echo your views there. Um, you, you were playing everyone who had something to play for, didn't you? Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously the, the Tottenham game at the end of the season was quite important in the sense that it wasn't the eight defeats in a row, or, or was it eight or seven or eight? Something I can't remember. Like that, yeah. um, so that stopped, obviously, the run. But definitely, momentum plays a huge role, and you only got to look at, before the break, those three wins on the bounce when we played Watford, and we just, you know, I can't believe it was only one nil. Well, I can't believe it because we ain't got a recognised striker. But, you know, um, that that's really, really where we need to be. And, and yeah, I think... Um, yeah, had there not been the break in the season, that it would have been a, a lot more exciting. Um, but it could have easily been that those players would have broken down the same way as they did after. You know, you don't have the stop-start nature of the season added added to a sort of that um, ability to be get injured. Um, you think Gary Cahill against Chelsea, you know, pulling up like that would have happened when he was got you know had a run of games under his belt. I don't know. Um, but yeah, uh, Palace were safe given the the lack of investment in the squad. I think can't really moan too much and and like you alluded to earlier I, I don't want to jump the gun but you know Palace look to finally be now going into the transfer market and spending some money and getting some youth players in to bring the average age of the squad down which is what everyone uses uh, you know the club's uh, you know a stick to beat the club with so um, yeah it's, 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 it's looking positive now um, after a dour into the season I guess but um Nothing but optimism for me, I'm honest. No, I, I, th I think, you know, the, the the issue for us has been historically that it's always um, the Premier League, um, uh, you know, safety is obviously the, the, the priority and, and we tend to leave it late, right? So, you know, this year we, we, we sort of uh, largely put it to, to bed and, and, and guaranteed that, 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 that safety early on, which meant that coming back and having the run we did... You know, I remember you and I. I spoke about it a number of times um, with Kev on the sort of the last Palace Rep pod we did. That we, you know, we were, were like, you know, you know, it's been a really good season, and we we won't sort of 
be too disappointed given the um, the results. I mean, I think the one the one thing I would look back and say was that there were some absolute howlers in, defensively uh, in 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 some sort of some of those games. So particularly, I mean, the Leicester game, uh, Sacco was all over the shop, wasn't he? And and there was the other one where. Uh, the keeper should have obviously um, come for, and then I think there was another game. I can't remember which one it was, but there was a mistake there. So you know, you wonder if maybe uh, complacency had set set in a little bit because we were safe. But as you say, you know, we we finished the season not as we wanted to, but we finished it in a in a in a place that we wanted to in the table. So um, you know, positivity in that in that respect, and, and you know, a chance to build, and and that's certainly as you alluded to, what the the club seems to be doing with the two signings we have made in in Nathan Ferguson. Um, which is, you know, a player that um, comes with a lot of um, hype. He, he obviously was was linked with us before. I don't know if, I don't know if there was an arrangement that kind of made this um, the deal a bit easier to to do um, in the summer. But but you know, he was linked with us in the uh, January window, and and you know, at one point in time, it was kind of thought he was going to be joining us there and then. Uh, and then similarly with um, with Eze. Um, being signed, you know, there's there's a lot of excitement around that signing, and you can see from the fans' reaction on on social media that it's it's one that you know fans are um, very much encouraged by, and, and I think it's it's key that Palace continue to make those signings, as you say, you know, the the younger players, but also um, players that do have that that promise and bring that excitement, because you know, I think one one point I would like to make is that. We are keen to bring youth players through. We're keen to bring players into the team. Oh, yeah. um, obviously, um, uh, Mitchell is is kind of getting a go, and he's been playing pre-season. And obviously, played a bit at the end of the last season. But you know, other than that, we haven't seen much come through from the uh, the youth ranks um, of late. Um, and, and I think what this does show, signing these players, is that if if they are good enough, you know, the young lads will play. Um, so signing players where obviously we aren't maybe bringing through the strength we'd like to is a, is a key indicator of that. Yeah, just to, just a, a point to pick up on what you were saying about the end of the season, just to, I know to backtrack a little bit, but when you look at the, sort of who we played, I think we all played people with large squads as well. And that's the fact that you could make five substitutions meant that teams could easily see out the, uh, the game against some top, very tired legs that we had. But yeah, I mean... Progressing forward, the, the, the players which we brought in, Nathan Ferguson, who we obviously are highly coveted by Palace and nearly signed in, in January, as it, it were not for a, a, a knee um, injury and a su- surgery, I think he needed that West Brom disputed. Um, you can say, like, well played to the much maligned Dougie Freeman and, and, the, and the recruitment squad, who, who you know, who seem to have put in their efforts in in Nathan Ferguson, and, and you know, you saw his family at, at the sign in, and obviously he's he's worked with them, and it's a good relationship management, isn't it? You know, it's in, in terms of um, you know making the player feel wanted. It, it, from the Eze talk as well, from from his interviews, you, you get the feeling that it was, it was it was the same kind of thing that they they'd done their homework, they've kept in touch with him, you know, and he only wanted to come to Palace, even West Brom coming in apparently offering a million pound more um, he wanted to go to Palace and QPR fair play to him you know turned down the million because well, there's no point is there if, if the player doesn't want to go there the deal's not going to happen um, so yeah great great to see and um, I'm conscious that the second half started now so uh, I want to I watch this so, uh, so we should say at the time of recording we are, we are actually also got one eye on uh, on Palace's uh, pre-season friendly against Charm which uh, at the time of, uh, of recording is uh, is nil-nil uh, just two minutes into the, into the second half, so I think you're right. It's time to probably take a break there, and I think it's key that you know we in the second half of the pod we do exactly what we're doing now, which is look forward to to next season, mm. look forward to where you know where we where we might uh, look to look to strengthen, but similarly also where we might look to be um, at the end of the, of the season. Again, starting the season off in in sort of the 
the same strange manner in which we, we finished it. So, yeah, let's take a break there. Uh, time to grab a cup of tea and a biscuit. Um, and, um, listeners, we will catch you back on the other side. Got some Jaffa cakes, actually, right? Sorted. Welcome back to part two of the Six Points of Podcast. Uh, we had our Jaffa cake, we had our cup of tea. We had a few Jaffa cakes actually, didn't we? Uh, and, uh, you had them all. <laughs> <laughs> there's still a few left, don't worry. I'll finish those off next. Thanks. We've, um, as well as enjoying that, we've, we've also enjoyed a 3 0. Uh, victory for Palace against Charlton. Pretty, um, pretty straightforward proceedings uh, for Palace, Luke. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I want to go too much into detail, but yeah, two goals from Jordan Ayew. First one was a tap-in, second one was a decent goal, and, and Wilf's third goal was probably the best of the bunch, wasn't it? Um, but yeah, pretty straightforward, especially in the, the first half. I think we dominated. Um, they had a little flurry, didn't they? Start the second half where they had a little four going, put us under pressure, a bit of a high press, but that didn't last very long. Um, but yeah, no pleasing obviously to see uh, free goals at Celeste. Um hopefully we'll keep people happy the fact they had to pay £5 for a stream you know to see free goals hopefully people think it was worth it I don't think it was too bad it was a good spectacle decent game um, I miss Palace so it's quite nice to watch Palace on a Saturday afternoon Not a shame I'm, I wouldn't be able to go to it because I think you and I probably would have gone to that game you know had it been £5, £5 a ticket but, uh... it, was, it, was, it was good that Palace um, were, were as dominant as they were um, and, and you know these these type of games preseason always have potential to be a, a bit of a banana skin, um, so uh, so yeah yeah resound resounding win for Palace always nice and always nice to to put another one against uh, Charlton. Um, let's let's look ahead then to, to next season. Then on on that on the topic of uh, sort of um, uh, today's game uh, as a preseason game, but but looking ahead to next season and particularly, you know, we brought in two players. Um, you know, Nathan Ferguson uh, made many a right back um, but I understand you, you, you also have, um, believe he can play uh, play left back yeah. but, but you know question I guess for him is will, will he come in and replace uh, Joel Ward I guess TBC on, on that one uh, and then secondly Eze um, I mean for the money they spent surely he's got to be a player who's um, got to be in contention to start I guess should he start who does he uh, who does he whose place does he take well this is an interesting point isn't it because Obviously, it's all well and good in, in um, buying young players, but you do need to allow them time to adapt, and especially when you're buying players out of out of the championship. They, there is going to be a it's a bit of a cliche, but a transitional period to an extent, isn't there? Um, so I, I just hope that the money that Palace has spent is it 16 million pound up front, potentially rising to 19. I think is is, is what's been reported for for Eze and obviously Ferguson's going to go to a tribunal. I'd, I'd imagine that'll be. I think they're saying about seven or eight million pounds. I think, um, but yeah, I, I just hope that the expectation of of, of the, the the valuation of the player, how much it costs, especially in Eze's um, regard, doesn't mean that people are expecting too much too soon. There's going to be a period of um, transition, a period of adaption for him, um, and I think it's going to be a case of, of a bit like the Tyrant Mitchell situation that you know. Um, they're going to have to get their chance as and when the squad deems that, that they will. Roy Hudson, I don't think, is is the sort of manager that's going to throw someone in. But maybe Eze a little bit, but probably not um, Nathan Ferguson if Joel Ward's fit. Where, where is Eze going to play then? Because you know we 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 don't really play we don't really play in, in the in the sort of number ten uh, with the number ten, do we? We have the sort of defensive midfielders, and then we have the sort of the the front three. Typically, you know, it's more most likely he's going to fit into that front three. Um, I actually watched a, a video, I think it was last night, about 
uh, QPR fan talking about him and saying, you know, putting him on the left, I think he said, was kind of not what you're going to get the best from him. But probably most likely opportunity he's going to get is a left or right, right? He's not going to play in the middle. That's, that's where I was going to play. You adapt to the, the, the players that you've got. And I think that the fact that we've got a certain type of player and that is that you've had to, had to play the formation that we've got. So giving Eze coming to the squad kind of gives you a bit more of an option. So potentially, you know, you could, you could swap formation. We saw him today. I think he started left of a front three. But to be fair, he sort of tucked behind Will from Will front in front of him. So it wasn't like an out-and-out out wide play. I mean, like you see people getting upset online. I saw... I saw because Eze was started out on the left, but he didn't really play it. He didn't hug the touchline, did he? He came in, he, he played more centrally, if anything. He was almost like a narrow, a bit like when James MacArthur started playing on the right or left wing. You know, he's not really on the wing, is he? But he's kind of left of that midfield. But um, It felt to me, to, to that point, though, it felt to me like he was one of those two defensive midfielders, but without the defensive bit. So it's, it's like, you know, he played alongside James MacArthur, if you like. Um, and he was the progressive one, whereas James MacArthur was the one who sort of sits. And, it, and it, if that happens, you know, Luca's not going to play, or MacArthur's not going to play, McCarthy's not going to play, Coyote's not going to take. So, you know, someone, someone's going to drop out, and it would it would be a um, a big big change to the team. That's why I wonder if we might play the front three, and he might play more of a narrow role in the front three um, with maybe the likes of Zahar and I, I guess Ayu. Isn't it nice to have that problem though? Don't you think? Like, I mean, after after years of, of us thinking, oh God, we haven't really got, you know, we haven't to put kids on the bench and and people that have never played any football. The fact that today you look at the squad, the starting lineup was pretty strong. To, to be fair, wasn't it for a friendly game? But just in general, it was it was a, it was a strong squad. And you still missed Sacco, Tompkins, Cahill, Guaita, um, Ferguson. Who else was there? It was, it was a list, wasn't there? Um, Schluck didn't start, obviously. Um, so yeah, it's quite nice that we've got that problem now, to be fair, and it's going to give the manager a headache, which is what you want, kind of thing, don't you? You want the young kids coming and knocking on the manager's door saying, all right, well, I'm here now and I want to take this player's position. Um, or, of course, you know, you adapt your formation. But it's nice to have that problem. It's nice to be able to, I think, we're going to look at the bench um, at the start of the season and think we've got players now that we can bring off the bench and they're going to make a difference rather than last season, perhaps, or last couple of seasons. Because let's be honest, Palace haven't really invested in the first team squad since Jan summer of 2017. It's Frank De Boer and then Sam Allardyce in, in January 2018. Um, we up PVA and before that, you know, you've got Townsend and Tompkins came in, obviously, things like that. Um, that was maybe the season before that, wasn't that? Um, but it's about time we, we, we got some players in and able to sort of have this competitive um, edge to our, to our squad. I think I think I think you're right. You know, when, I mean, when everyone's fit, we've got a very strong squad. It's just the the likelihood of that is is low, right? Uh, and therefore, the need to strengthen has been there. And also, this point about the average age. You know, you know, no one, no one, no one gets any younger. Um, and 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 for Palace, there is a need to, you know, bring bring the youth through. Whether that is signings and or um or the youth the youth team um products themselves. I guess I guess the other question is. To the point of strengthening, where else do we need to strengthen? I mean, one point uh, you think about is is striker, um, and whether you know we, we've we've got IU obviously he was in good form last year. Can you continue that into this year? Two goals, today. Two goals today, but but you know, can you continue it in the Premier League for, for for when it comes to business for real? Uh, and whether you maybe need something there because uh, you and I kind of talked about it in in watching the friendly just then. You know, Connor Wickham uh, is he is he likely to to get a look in? I'm not, not so oh. sure. Um, so we have very limited options um, there up front. We're pretty, sh pretty strong in the midfield space, particularly in sort of the centre of midfield. 
you then look at defense and again when everyone's strong uh, sorry everyone's fit pretty strong strong there um, may, maybe the sort of the, the left back position I, I, I don't know how how confident we are in in, in Mitchell um, being a sort of a, a first team starter um, so, so you know it's interesting there's not a, a, a dying need to to invest but there's just a general need to, to sort of look at uh, the, gen, the general squad and the, the, the playing squad as a whole and, and thinking about do we sort of need to start bringing some as we've started to uh, fresh and younger blood in it's, it's almost impossible possible to do a Palace podcast without sounding like a cliche because you we talk about the same things don't we in terms of ageing the squad you know not enough goals needing the striker and then, to your point yes um, the next position we need to invest in for me is going to be a striker probably a winger if, if the rumours about Will wanting now and determined to leave this window even if it goes up to the 5th of October is going to happen I mean I still question who's got the money to pay that what what, what we want for him given the fact that he's still got three years on his contract maybe he's going to have to run it down the other thing is is, is, he, is he really worth to other teams what we are asking for, or is that what it's worth to Crystal Palace? It's, I think there's a different, the different point there, right? It's, it's irrelevant what it's worth to other teams because it's what it's worth to Crystal Palace, isn't it? I mean, if, if he's the main man, and arguably he wasn't last season. I mean, obviously he's Palace's star player, but in a sense that um, he, he he didn't. It sounds harsh, but didn't perform. You know, has he had done perhaps the previous he, season? No, not to the level he can do. No. But but again, it's still it's still a, a half performance is a hard to Crystal Palace is still. Uh, better than no Will Fatar, right? And, and I think the, the the point about the price is you're you're right; it's irrelevant. But at the end of the day, you know, if he's to move on, fair, yeah. yeah, yeah, and and all, all the time we're setting the price that's you know to us, it's it's going to be um, a, a very unlikely situation. So you know, for which I'm very positive and happy about. Uh, well, you, to an extent, I mean, I, I, you don't want an unhappy player. But if if rumours are to be believed that, that he's wanted out for the last two summers anyway, and and he's still performed the way he has, especially the season before last, um, then I, I don't think he's the sort of player to down tools. But it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, t in terms of you say who's going to be linked with him, the rumour was Bruce Dortmund, but Don Fifeall made an interesting point about since when are Bruce Dortmund going to go and pay? 60, 70 million pounds for a 28 year old you know they're not they're going and buying Jude Bellingham's and, and Jordan Sancho's and picking up Yankees it's not really their their style so maybe you know if they were to let Sancho go they'd have some money but I, I can't see it's in that club's ethos to, to go and start paying that sort of money for a 28 year old but yeah back back to your original point um, I think Benteke obviously he's, he's got one year left in his deal hasn't he so has Wickham so you could see some movement there especially with Connor Wickham um, I believe he was quite happy in, in Sheffield and, and given the fact that he, he played there when he was younger um, it's whether they've got the money to, to sell him and Palace but I'm sure want to get some money for him rather than let him go for free when his contract ends and um, I think Benteke's always become like a, a parody of himself hasn't he in the sense that uh, you want him to do well so, so much and, and we have talked before about him being so much more than just a goal scoring play he brings other players into, into, into the game and that's perhaps where you're going to see someone like Eze fitting in because Benteke up front you know he's, he's able to hold the ball up for someone like Eze who runs in behind you know it that, might work that that was the issue last year wasn't it it purely was goals yeah. uh, and bar wasn't it bar the sort of the two of the relegated teams our, our um, goals on the on the tally were were, were, were very poor so uh, you, you know you have to say that that is the area to to look at but to to your point um, you know, goals can come in from elsewhere. Similarly, you know, we're not gonna. The nature of Palace's play, the way we set up the Roy, the Roy ethos, and the way he has us um, uh, structured, is not going to get you three, four goals a game. You know, so we're not. We're never going to be 
up there in the goal scoring ranks just just by the way in which um, we play. But having said that, you know today, okay, it was lower level. Yeah, but but the the, the way we came out today was really yeah, impressive, and sure. you know so there, there there is there is a way of using using the squad, and, and as you say, you use the playing. Um, squad that, that you have to your disposal, and I'm yeah. sure that Roy would would would, would do that appropriately. Um, so 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 looking forward to the season, then you know, and given what we just said, you know, where where do we think we need to be uh, punting for? You know, is it purely another case of survival is the focus? Anything else is a bonus? Is it that you know now we are established and therefore we should expect to survive, and therefore we should be looking to push on for for Europe, or or is it just a case of you know just get through and 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 um, go from there? You've always got to be looking at progression, haven't you? Or, or, or wanting to, to progress as a football club. So I wouldn't say Palace... But have Palace established themselves as a mid-table team? I guess to an extent they have, but also there's always the flirt of relegation um, every season. There's always that worry. But then again, we've, we've, we've got to guess, have a pragmatic outlook. And in these times, these, these strange times, I guess it's even more important that the club maintains its Premier League status, keeps the TV money flowing in, um, albeit, you know, relegated clubs to think still get ninety million pounds over three years in parachute payments, you know. But it's, obviously it's not worth as much as the the money you get every year. But um to what you were saying earlier about sort of players at your disposal and, and there's almost like a myth with the Palace fans, isn't there, that Roy Hodgson plays this defensive football. That's only because he's he's got defensive minded players to an extent or or the, or the club hasn't been invested in in the playing staff. So I mean you only got to look back to when he took over in Help me out. 2018, September 2018. Is that right? Two and a half years ago. Is that right? So, so you got to look from that period, obviously, from especially the, the second half of that season, and as well when we had the season after that, when we have someone like Mishibashuai coming in. Um, or was that the same season? God, I can't remember. I've lost. I've lost track of days and years and whatever. But anyway, you, you got when we had Ruben Loftus Cheek, Mishibashuai, um, Aaron Wambasaka was going forward. You know, we were playing. It was called then Royal, wasn't it? It was. You think about that goal against Leicester in the five 0 That it was a brilliantly worked goal, wasn't it? From Loftus Cheek to Zahar, I think MacArthur, MacArthur fainted it. It fell back to um, Zahar. Um, I think Van Aanholt was involved as well. We played some really good football on the deck, passing football, and that's because we had attacking minded players. And now we're investing a bit more now in, you know, right back. Okay, but you can play wing back and he push forward, and that's the sort of the, the modern day. Um, uh, Fullback, and to an extent, isn't that they're expected to push on a bit like Patrick Van Arnhout? You just hope that PBA <laughs> improves his defending a bit more. But going forward, he's brilliant. So yeah, it, it's. It, I think we need to be looking at mid-table and above. It'd be nice to have a, a situation like we did after the Bournemouth game, where we're five games, six games to go. We're in with a shot of European football. Um, but yeah, it, obviously, it, it's first and foremost, it's a transitional period, bringing these kids in, giving them the chance to to set in. Um, let's get safe and then let's see what we can do I mean for me the focus always has to be safety whichever way you look at it you know bar the sort of top six seven clubs everyone's in a relegation battle so I, I, for me it's always that and that, that could be a, a bit of a pessimistic sort of negative way of looking at it but I think for me it's the reality and, and you know there are many clubs that have been very well established in the Premier League that then get relegated and the impact that has on them is, is massive. You know, you look at the likes of Stoke City and others who, you know, it's a real uh, downward spiral that you can get yourself onto. So I, I certainly think that can happen very quickly. So I, I, I personally think that focus should be, um, you know, survival. Um, and, then, um, and then, and then you know, like this season, you know, where we were in position where we could have pushed on for Europe. The results meant that wasn't the case. 
Um, but but the option was there, the opportunity was there, and I think that absolutely has to be where we put ourselves. Um, so you know, I guess that brings us on to the the tricky situation that you know has been the situation that the discussion point pretty much since he since he was here is 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 Roy's position, and um, obviously he was given an extension, so he he has the the, the contract till the end of this season, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Um, I, I've always said to you that I, I strongly believe that there would never be a situation where Roy was ousted. Um, any sort of poor run of form or anything would be um, uh, dealt with between Palace and Roy in a, in a sensible... Um, respectful way, I hope. I think so, yes. Um, well, what I also think is that there is a plan there. Um, my mind is that Dougie Freeman is the plan, longer term. I think that, you know, he's in there and, and, and Roy is, is um, you know, working with him behind the scenes. I, I strongly believe, whether that's a bit of a, a dream situation, but for me... You know, I still hold Freeman in high regard. Yep. I think you know he showed the fundamentals and, and foundational com, um, components of, of being a really good manager, um, and I think you know gave gave something for, to build on. And it's just a shame that he maybe didn't get to stay and have the legacy that he could have had. But you know, he's, well, he's his choice, though. Yeah, good. exactly. And he, one, one that he admitted was, was was a mistake as well. Uh, no, yeah, he said immediately, didn't he? Yeah. Immediately realised it was a mistake. So you know, fair play to him, and, he, and, he, and he's he's back in the club and. You know, I I still I, I I strongly believe he is the longer term um, solution because you know we talk about who else and what else, um, and everyone would say like Sean Dyche and things. You know, Eddie Howe has been linked as well. Hasn't yeah, he? I mean, it doesn't really excite me though. Those those names. I don't think Dougie Freeman excites me either. To be fair, but it's interesting what you say about a long term plan because especially with Eze coming in and. Um, there was a lot of talk in his interview around how, how he bought into the long-term future of the club. The scales don't seem even when you lay, weigh that up against the fact that we've got a manager who's got a one-year deal. But maybe I'm reading too much into the fact, into that, in the fact that wasn't that the situation this season as well until he signed a contract extension in January, I think. I'd like to think that Roy's still got the appetite and and the ambition to still manage a Premier League football club and. If he's given the tools, it's disposed to do to do well. Um, we've seen it before. I, I think. I think. Yeah, he could still have another couple of years at him. But yes, I mean, fair enough. It's it's only fair when you've got a, a seventy-three-year-old manager to be thinking about a long-term plan. Um, who it is, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily share your view about Dougie Freeman. I think Palace, if they're looking to push on, they probably would want a bigger name. Um, maybe someone who, who's who's coming through in a in a in a different league. You've seen what Hassan Hooper's done at Southampton and things like that. I think that would probably be more the way that Palace would want to look. They tried, dipped their toes in the water with Frank De Boer and got their toes chopped off pretty much, didn't they? Rather than fingers burnt. I think given a, a decent run of form, um, you know, players playing well and, and, and new players, especially a striker coming hopefully, um, we, we, could, we could do really well and there's no reason why Roy won't sign another extension. This is the interesting point and the bit I hope we do get to realise, which is your point, giving Roy the tools at his disposal to do the job. You know, he's never really had uh, a very full toolbox. He's had probably a half-empty toolbox, lots of broken old old ones in there and not really much of a, a sort of a chance. And when he has had the chance to... A nice shiny cog like Michy Bashway comes in. Well, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. That's what I was exactly going to go. That, you know, when he gets a new power tool, yeah. um, you know, there is a real difference there in, in, in the output he, he derives, in the product he produces. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so yeah, I, I do hope that, that this season is, is that chance for him to... Um, to show what you can do with with extra tools at his disposal. The other thing is to the to the sort of the the point around um, longevity of Premier League managers and others. You know, I can't remember the stat is, but you know, it's very very short, isn't it? The the normal uh, managerial position uh, lifespan in in the Premier League. So, 
you know that that longer term plan maybe it doesn't exist um i hope it's not as uh, short term as watford where <laughs> they sort of replace their manager sort of two three times a season uh, but, but at the same time, I would like to think that there is some sort of thinking about where we go next. I mean, eventually, if you have that model, though, I think you need to um, accept that eventually, you know, you're going to fall foul of the situation. And, you know, you've only got to look at Premier League clubs like Fulham and things like that who have changed managers so many times in one season. It, it spells... We, we saw it in Denmark as well, in SBA, obviously. Was it four, four, season, four managers? Five, if you include um, temporary managers as well. But, yeah, um, I agree with what you say. I think... Um, it will be interesting to see um, how the team starts the season, given the fact I think we like we talked off pod about the domestic transfer window, and you don't want to be a Premier League club that loses your first four or five games, whatever it is, and then you come into that. I think it's October the fifth to the fifteenth, or something like that. And there's a two-week domestic-only transfer window because then all the Championship clubs who have maybe like a Ben Rama or someone like that, if they if they hold on to him, can then go you know all right now it's be another 10 million please because you're desperate and you're down the bottom and your fans and and everyone is is putting pressure on you to produce results um you've got to go and spend some money um you don't want Palace to be in that situation so let's hope that the that the uh the deals get done sooner rather than later um i i, I suspect if there is any wilfrid to hard deal then it would be later in the window and he'd maybe have a chance to showcase himself in the premier league and if he hits the ground running this season and you know scores four goals three goals whatever it is and a few assists and w- works up a nice partnership with Eze then you might have a few more people a bit more interested in willing to pay the sort of money that Palace want but who knows we will see we will see probably a good point to, to wrap it up there yeah. um, Luke thanks very much for, for joining me this afternoon my house what are you talking about eating your Jaffa cakes and drinking your tea this is a very good point thanks for having me um, <laughs> listeners thank you for listening uh, stay tuned uh, we'll be uh, getting back on the uh, Palace pod uh, round now uh, as pre-season uh, concludes and we get into the reality uh, of the, the Premier League well that's nice isn't it the fact we've got a couple of friendlies coming up and, and you know whilst we can't be at the games to be fair if, if the ticket had been 15 quid today I probably would have paid £5 for it for a stream and obviously we've got Millwall I think on Tuesday haven't we and then uh, Bromby are playing obviously at Sellhurst I think it's next Saturday isn't it I think so yeah. and is that the last game I think there might be a, a Palace 11 game or under 23 game in between them but then it's um, straight into Southampton the following Saturday isn't it Southampton Man United and then isn't there another one then one before the international break, I think. Yeah, yeah I think so yeah yeah good stuff so um, as always up the Palace uh, stay tuned to the six pointer for all your uh, Palace chat post-match reaction and so on and so forth um, and keep an eye on the socials uh, on Instagram and Twitter and that's it isn't it that's, that's the only places you've got uh, socials on yeah, I think so. Mate. Yeah, not yeah. not 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 they're very active, but you know, they, every now and then put something up. Keep an eye out, uh, and uh, when we sporadically uh, put something up, you will catch it. Always high quality, indeed. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening, and catch you soon at the palace. At the palace, the Six Pointer Podcast. Uh-huh.